to episode 22 of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where we uh, seek to broaden our cinematic horizons. Do you feel broadened? Have I said that in a few episodes? I don't, I don't know. think you have. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Scott Murray, and I am joined by my, hopefully as insane as I am, friends, Joel Lewis Howdy. and Tim Gerard. Hello. If not, this is going to be a weird trip. I mean, weirder than normal. You know, it's going to be weird anyway. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, Movie Mumble is a monthly discussion podcast where we all get together, watch a film, and then talk about it. It's that simple. We take turns picking our movies. We can pick anything at all, new, old, foreign, domestic, animated, live action, etc. Uh, the idea is that we get more out of the films when we watch them together. And we hope you will join us and get more of that experience yourselves. I think my favorite tagline from that is, uh, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. <laughs> just a hashtag. <laughs> hashtag simple. Hashtag three simple men. <laughs> um, so... We take turns picking our films. This is the beginning of a cycle, which means we are back at the top with Joel selecting. Ooh, top of the mountain. Yeah. All Joel, down here from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my case, yes. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Joel brought us There Will Be Blood. And, uh, there was. There was. The, the movie selector has this beautiful coin that Joel brings. You have a couple different coins you brought. What did you bring today, Joel? This is just a Kennedy silver dollar. Just a Kennedy silver Just, he says. Kennedy Silver Dollar. How dare you? Or <laughs> half dollar. I guess it's a half. Our movie selector, which is in this case Joel, is going to flip that coin, and the next in line person, which is me, is going to call it in the air. Uh, the winner, between me and the remaining person, Tim in this case. Remaining <laughs> person. <laughs> the remainder. <laughs> the afterbirth. The refuse. Uh, the, the winner of the coin toss gets to pick who gets to or who has to describe <laughs> the film. So, uh, whatever you're ready, Joel. Tails. It is heads. Oh, thank Timothy. God. <laughs> you fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, God, There Will Be Blood is the story of Daniel Plainview, a, an oil man, as he says. And we join him in 1898 in California, digging up his first strike. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we see a bit of montaging as he builds that into an oil derrick and then eventually builds an oil empire and becomes very rich and then eventually moves to buy up a bunch of oil uh, around the Sunday Ranch in this little church community. Little Boston. Yes, Little Boston, thank you. And then the bulk of the film takes place there and we see things that happen to him and then uh, eventually we, we jump ahead a little bit almost to an epilogue of sorts and that's it. It's about this man and his his drilling career and the per the the trial by fire he experiences in Little Boston. I described it to Tim as oil versus the church, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone loses. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. this came out about the same time as um, No Country for Old Men, and did I did not see it when it came out. I kind of conflated the two in my head. And I was wanting to see both of them, and this one just happened to come up on Netflix earlier. And I watched it, and it ended, and I was... I'm finished. I was <laughs> stunned. Just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> what, what just happened? How is that the end? What? And then three months later, I watched it again. Yeah. And then I watched it again, yeah. <laughs> and again, and again. This is, this is one that comes up in my queue quite a bit. I mean, I own it because it, it's it's 
it's like this tour de force that has very little plot to speak of. I mean, it it because it's, it's not about it's not a particular story that they set out to tell you. It's just the things that happen to this man. Yeah, and, and life often is, does not have a plot. Yeah. Life is often much less sensible. He, he's just Dante Lewis in this is so captivating, and that's the thing, like the subject matter I could pretty care less about. I don't right. care about a frontier town's church politics. I don't care about developing oil. But the way you follow and that first thirty minutes of this film is silent. It's not a, about well, all he says. I mean, I mean there's, sound. there's no yeah. dialogue. I mean, yeah, the only thing exactly. he says is there she is when he finds the 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 one chunk that he brings to be prospected and they, they scan it to, or find out that there's oil yeah, there. Sign off his plot and he discovered it. It's just like you start watching and it's, it's mesmerizing because the way the music undulates and builds this tension, like you're sweating it's but really, nothing's happening. It's all in like, the music. It's, it's the thing. Yeah. Because if we were just watching it on its own, we'd just be this dude and then he's digging and then, oh, dear, he fell. Oh, okay. And now he's getting, oh, okay. And that'd be it. There'd be no tension. There'd be no worry. There'd just be oh, hey, this guy found this, this claim and staked it and he's going to drill. But the music just doesn't stop. It just keeps going. It's, it's relentless. crazy, relentless, senseless, undulating was a good term. And, and it, the music, because we've been trained to feel this from every other film we've ever watched, the music tells us something is going to happen. Mm. It's going to break. And it doesn't. <laughs> and we're left with all this tension. And we get this these slight little flourish moments, like when they just they first appear at the Sunday Ranch. You kind of get this more frontiery type score. It kind of sounds like the 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 Roundup or like uh, um, Rawhide. You kind of have that little little like frontier yeah. town flourishes. Sound cues. And then you get these weird percussive. It reminds me a lot of the Planet of the Apes themes. Mm. That the just the hitting you in weird places and building this like alien tension, it's very percussion driven and that it, it just, I. I mean, you watch a man fall into a well and break his leg, pull himself out of that well and drag himself on his back. I mean, Tarantino talked about the opening of this film. It's like you forgive every bastard thing that he does in this because you understand the grit. And what he did to build this yeah. stuff, it, it just—I I mean, using Tarantino to, to bolster up this movie—that's one of my <laughs> favorites. Is kind of cheesy, but like, it, it just—you understand the length to which he's willing to go, the the, the Titanic force of nature that he is. Mm -hmm. He dragged, and, literally dragged himself, and to the success. He's not going. He, he kind of moves a semi-immovable object when he meets Eli. Yeah. But, I mean, their interactions are really interesting. And Paul Dano is an incredible young actor. Yeah. Him playing, I mean, oh, he's toe to toe with Daniel Day Lewis in this and mm -hmm. does, he holds his own. I mean, he's, it's a frustrating character because he's, he's this televangelist before televangelism. Like, and you kind of get the sense that he talks about being working in radio in that epilogue where it's like yeah. he's kind of the start of that this mm. kind of laying on hands very uh, finance driven uh, evangelism and it, it's just so interesting to see them kind of tear back and forth and they each get like their, their moments on top uh, Daniel slaps him and pushes him into the mud and says I'm going to bury you underground and has this very primal earthy scene and then 
<laughs> Eli gets to baptize him and slap the the spirit out of him. Like it, it it's just watching them these two very different character dynamics archetypes clash is really fun. That was a nice like parallel slash contrast, the oil and water. Yeah. <laughs> kind of happening yeah, with those they two don't scenes. mix. They yeah. can't mix. Yeah. <laughs> they cannot. Oh, the whole film is it it is just you can't tear away. The the characters, the people, there's this drive to understand and it's it's, you're not going to. You're never going to. But you can't stop looking. It's gorgeously shot. Some of the tracking shots that we follow almost feel like they're they're in in frame with them, or it's along the railroad tracks. The shot when the well catches fire, and as the sun's going down, and you see the silhouette of Plainview and his partner in front of it, and he his excitement, his like. And it's this burned effigy, this satanic imagery of him silhouetted against it. Just what they do with lighting is so good. Mm-hmm. And when they frame shots, it's, it's so precise. And it, I mean, it lingers. I mean, it's a two hour and 38 minute long movie. And it feels it. You definitely, like, it mm-hmm. is a long movie about not that interesting subject matter. Like, but. The, the performances and the way it's driven by the sound is just unlike kind of anything I've ever seen before. It's, it's a movie that I, I honestly believe could play silent. This movie could be a silent movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would lose the Daniel Day-Lewis like vocals, but you would still get the emotion of both those characters and the, the contrast of like... Yeah. It, it just... I, I don't know. It's a very elemental feeling I have about this movie and watching it the first time I was just like oh my god and I think I I, I was falling asleep because I was watching it late the first time I watched it so I had stopped it pretty close to the end and then started it up and then there was that final scene in the bowling alley and I'm like yeah. wait so that's you, it? So you were him waking up in the bowling alley <laughs> I love that he you only see him falling asleep like on the hard ground like he, he, he can't like as a prospector, since mm-hmm. you're sleeping out under the stars, the idea of yeah, we never see him sleep or wake up except that once with the fire, he's in the bed. Right, but that's um, fair. Although yeah. you know, plenty of reason to avoid beds after that. <laughs> it's the thing. His kid knew. Yeah, H. W. knew that that was not his. You could tell. You could tell. It's such an interesting. Just. Plainview is an interesting character. He's he's a mm-hmm. bastard and he's evil and he he's cruel and kind of irredeemable, but he's compelling. I mean he, he you you want to understand him but you can't. You can't, yeah. And that's the thing, I, something about his willingness to accept that he has a brother is in his feeling isolated. He has this kind of sociopathic And that's what's happening with the film and it's not it's not communicated obviously to us at first but the whole his whole purpose for following this tip for buying up this land is to avoid the train the transportation fees for Mm -hmm. transporting his oil yeah with his own pipeline Mm -hmm. it's a certain type of freedom freedom from the other you know the other companies his competition competitors but a particular type of just semi-permanent like this is the last one you know, we can build this, we can build the pipeline, 
and then it's done. That will just continue to make money and it is on its own. Ultimate and end I goal. can be free. Yeah, and I can be rich and retire and live. But you know, he starts to to sort of realize he doesn't have a plan. What to do? Be to what? What to do? How to be free? What to do other than make oil? I mean, he has that line of like, "What else am I?" That literal to do? line, yeah. And it's more telling than he realizes in that scene. What else am I supposed to do? And he, he doesn't know. Feels that perfect. doesn't know anything else. And then to to add to that, this this last, he's almost desperate when the film begins, or when the film begins, when the project at Little Boston begins, mm. desperate for this to be his way out. And then when stuff starts piling on, the, the accident, the deafness of his son, the uh, the brother situation, it all comes on at once. It's uh. It's quite a load to take on all at the same time, you know. That's the thing. Like, he's looking for some kind of familiar familiarity. I mean, and that's the thing. He His initial thought... Well, no, he had, he had several thoughts about HW. Initially, it was, this is a burden. And then yeah. this is a package that I can sell. Yeah. This is a marketing technique. But you see that there's this... He treats him like a son. Yeah. He wants to share this with him. He wants to build this with him. He wants him to be his partner. And I actually think, and this is like maybe the seventh or eighth viewing of this, that what Daniel does for him, and it's weird to say for him in that last sequence with him, is that he sets... He sets him free. Well, he sets him up like he was. Because he talked about him building up his petty hatreds. Yeah. And that is what he drove him to do what he did to, oh, to be God, successful right, so in that last scene what he's doing for HW is severing that tie you don't have it's to feel sentimental giving him what There's he thinks no is guilt. the tool for success he puts it like he, he allows him to sever that tie and go and because that's Ugh. you see in his face the pain after that bastard in a basket he keeps saying it keeps saying it but that last sequence on his face he, his eyes are almost welling up because he, he's yeah. And it, it's a bizarre, and I, I didn't get, pick up on this in the first time, so maybe I'm ruining it for you to, <laughs> to be projecting this. But just to see that moment in this new light, that that's how Plainview got to be the mogul that he was. Yeah. Is he had no ties. He hated his origins. He wanted to, to, to strive for this separation from people. But it, it was this toxic ambition to make something because what he was or what he had was not what he wanted. Mm-hmm. wanted to get rid of that. So he needed to make something else. Couldn't just have nothing. But he made... What did he make? I mean, he made a successful oil empire. But then he couldn't... He, he, it wasn't enough, you know? He couldn't let it set it aside and make something else. That's the thing, like, at that, that point... Mansion. What do you do? And that's the thing, he just went so tenaciously after every project that it was, okay, the next when one, the next one. When there was nothing else one. to do, he was left bereft. Yeah, it's adrift. like Alexander crying, for there were no more worlds to conquer. That's, I mean, yeah. Tim, you say things. <laughs> in his case, it's not that there were no more worlds to conquer, it's that he had chosen to stop conquering right. and gone, oh, well, shit, mm-hmm. what now? I have a bowling alley. What else do I have? <laughs> the I ultimate be, symbol of richness. I can beat people to death in it. The end is very American Psycho. 
where it's just have you seen that Scott yeah have you seen that too? yeah okay just the idea that wait yes Bateman gets away with it yeah well if well, it's ambiguity well, yeah it's ambiguous whether or not he actually did any of that or if right. it's all in his head but the idea that this affluent it's like he's just done and the guy comes down yeah. like his house guy is not surprised it's like same shit as ever this is a Thursday yeah. mm-hmm. beat somebody to death in the bowling alley <laughs> he again he says I'm finished yeah. and it's not just you know finished with the guest but just finished everything yeah. that's where the film ends I mean in theory he continues to live and age and become old and die someday and you know the breathing of the body that held Daniel Plainview continues but the life no that's it he's finished it's over go home <laughs> what are you still doing here yeah it's over it's over go yeah. home <laughs> um, I wonder if that was like the one little piece that was left from like that time in his life where he never got to have like a completion of their um you know like their interaction like he was kind of his nemesis you know and then he was like oh i'm going on a mission bye so it was like there was no there was no culmination to that there was no resolution to that you know and maybe that was part of it and you know kind of why we skip ahead is like well that was you know as you said you know oil versus the church well it's just like well if the church kind of goes away like you haven't beaten it but it's still there but now you can't fight it you know And I wonder if there's a little frustration with Plain View. Like, e- Eli destroyed himself. It had nothing to do with Plain View. He didn't Plainview. get his revenge. And, I mean, yeah. he gets to kill him in the end, and he gets sure. to hear him admit mm-hmm. and be debased and be humbled in that way. But he but, didn't get to, to do it, you know? Right. He didn't yeah. get to beat his enemy. Right. His enemy came to him beaten. I also thought it was funny the idea of him making him repeat what was it like i am a false prophet and god is a superstition superstition. and like you can see him starting to believe it because he's repeating it which is ironic because that's how you know chanting and stuff works normally you know it's 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 you know it's um, of the the baptism that daniel took mm -hmm. you know he made him say stuff again and again and again yeah it's like yeah as between between both of those there was truth in that like that came out yeah. In both those baptisms, right? The idea mm-hmm. like Eli is drowning himself in alcohol and so is plain view in that. Like they are being mm-hmm. baptized in a certain sense. Baptized via bowling pin. Oh. I it just it's it's such an interesting almost biblical clash between them. You kind mm-hmm. of get the idea of plain view as this in incisive devil right coming into the the, the dynamic there, but also that Eli is this manipulated. This He's is this spider who's made his home. Right, the this demon small shows pond, up. Yeah. Like, and seeing the evil in each other and just tearing each it's other great. down. It's great because Eli starts. He doesn't start with any kind of, you know, oh we have a church and we want you to support it. He starts with no, no, we have oil and we're worth more than that. He's a taker, much like Plainview is, but like the small fish, small pond deal. That's perfect. Because then we get to, we get to the end where Plainview took and succeeded and was rich. It didn't bring him any joy. But meanwhile, Eli went off to do his thing, and he—he, he, I mean, he failed. He came back in disgrace as the loser, never, never the man who could reach the heights that Plainfield did. And yet, almost it wouldn't have mattered because, you know, 
And he, even so, when he first comes to Plainfield, he comes to take. He says to him, well, I have this land now, and, you know, you can pay me this much money, plus what you owe me, plus interest. But, you know, he, he comes with this posturing, this sort of, well, you know, I'm going to get more from you. That's the whole reason he's there. He's not there to, to ask for help. He knows they were not friends. He's not there to, he's not there for any other purpose at all but to take. Because now he thinks, you know, Plainfield's done. He's out of the game. I can, I can show up and be the taker, you know. And he still can't do it. I'm still not convinced that Eli and Paul were actually two different people. What? No, Why would they refer to it as a separate person? Like, it, it, you know, like split personality, you know? No, I, I am. I, 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 I guess. I was convinced <laughs> they were the same person until the conversation between Eli and his father about Paul. Right, you know where he's like, where he says, "Your yeah, brother did this. Paul did this. <laughs> His fault." I mean, but I mean, like, why wouldn't we see Paul again? Is my question. Like, in all the time that they spend together, if if it was because that, we were seeing Eli and we couldn't see the two of them together. What I'm saying, but like, why didn't Paul pop back up? If because that was the thing, Paul left. Then what happened to the five hundred bucks? Like what? No, yeah, Paul took his money and he. Right, he, he got the he fuck left. Out. Paul knew that land was <laughs> but cursed. If, but if Eli doesn't know that he's got this other personality living in his head, wherever Paul put that money, he doesn't know. This isn't American Psycho. It's, it's there will be Psycho. <laughs> there will be Psycho. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, no, what was it? The uh, like when he talked about like Paul starting his own business, like in his own oil company. Like, wasn't that also the time when Eli was gone on a mission? Well, he also was lying. Right, about Plain, what? Plainview didn't give him ten thousand dollars. He yeah. gave him five hundred. Yeah. So his he whole, doesn't know it. Like your brother was successful. He's just rubbing it in Eli's I face. I feel like he's just needling him at that point. Which which is fine. I think that's still possible if Eli doesn't know that Paul is the same person. Like I don't think they're aware of each other. You know. <laughs> that's. I mean that's fine. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I, I mean I think. I mean well, you're right was, about we never see any incontrovertible evidence. Yeah, you know it's the and, same actor. And the, like, also the fact that he brought over three drinks originally, which I know he drinks two of them. But I was like, yeah, one was for Paul. Interesting. <laughs> this that's actually I, I'm I'm not mad at it. I don't agree with it, <laughs> right? but I think yeah, it's, and, I think you know, and that's cool. fine. I mean, no, I mean, like, well, that's the thing is like there, like it, there, there's that's what you whispered to me. Yeah. Okay. I'm still not convinced. I that got like half of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, so. uh, okay. That speaking of baptism, the ocean is Daniel's baptism, but it's not a little. It, it's it's his. He clears everything away from his eyes, and he sees, and he comes to the realization that this man is not his brother. Yeah, because he hears that thing about and, the peach orchard or whatever. And that he should have. Peach yeah. dance, peach tree peach dance. dance, and all that jazz. Yeah. It sounds like a yeah. euphemism for sex. It sounds it? like something Probably, you yeah. wouldn't say if you were had been in the West that long because we don't have right. peach trees. But um, I thought that was odd. Right? That's an interesting. But you know, and then he also—that's where he really starts to feel bad about his boy, and so he kills the false brother, and then the the old man wakes him up and says, "I want you to be baptized." And he's like, "Already been just there." Like, you know what? Yeah, like that's. I've I've been button heads and doing the fighting thing. I'm just gonna do it. I'll be nice. I'll give me my pipeline. Get my son back. It like like he almost sees how much of his own suffering he's created himself. That's the thing. I feel like he's always like 
the whole time he feels bad about sending his son away. But he doesn't oh, know yeah. what else to do. Yeah. And I mean, that doesn't forgive the terrible way he no. does it. No. But the thing is, he has so much spent a lot of his life not knowing what else to do. But just sort of doing. You know, like the... He drags himself out of that hole. Because what else is there right. but to drag? You can die and, in the hole. Or... And so he sort of decides... He gets that, that, that ambition back with regard to his son of the... I can't get rid of it. I need to take him back. And even though I don't know what to do, I'll just I'll do. I'll get it. You know, the determination comes back. Because we otherwise don't see him push away any problems throughout the film. Until, until his son... Tim, are you looking up conspiracy theories about Yeah, this? well, so imper- apparently, originally it was supposed to be two different actors, I guess, ah. but they, he fired the actor, I think, who was supposed to play Eli, and then he had the same, since Paul was only in it for a while. Um, but I mean, I'm still going to choose to see it that way, because it made it more interesting to me. Gotcha. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so from what I found, it, it's not confirmed. Oh, yes, they are, yeah, it's more just like... It, I guess originally maybe they weren't necessarily supposed to be twins, but it was like, hey, we'll we'll make them twins, and I like you, so you play the other guy too, and we'll just say you're twins. But that was so good mm-hmm. in this. It's such a great counterpoint to mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis because I mean, he, <sighs> he's like a Weasley little kid, yeah. whereas whereas what's his, he's like that that sort of Gravitas. like rugged yeah. you know he looks like a man he's got yeah. a mustache and stubble and like you know it's like everything <laughs> that a man should he be he gives his speeches in front of the townsfolk about right. how he's a family man and yeah. he's here to help your community and you're not gonna tell me how to raise my son and, you know, is the I'm gonna come to your house mm-hmm. and I'm gonna wiggle you through yeah <laughs> they were shocked they were, what are you talking what? about <laughs> yeah. you heard what I said don't tell me how to raise my family <laughs> Oh man, the original gangster. <laughs> it's interesting that we see this this great stretch of time, and I mean, we kind of miss all the interesting bits of California's <laughs> development. And so, you know, eighteen ninety eight, it's still still very much the West, the frontier, and then nineteen eleven where most of the film takes place. Same. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, we're in 1927. And there's such a... Even in American history, across much of the country, there is such a jump in the way things are between 1911 and 1927. I mean, the house is huge. Well, right, that's what I mean. Less so in the East, but very much in this huge swath of the nation from basically from the Mississippi to the coast, to the Pacific coast. And Because, yeah, all it was is these front... He's in a mansion! It's in a mansion with green trees with and a bowling grass alley. and a bowling alley. Because it's this, bowling this, has been this invented. switch has flipped <laughs> and moved into a different era. And between the first era and this era, all sorts of things have happened, including World War One. Oh, wow. But, that is right. Yeah. But um, all that's really happened for, for Plainview, or at least as far as the film cares, is he's got his mansion. And that's it. I mean, his son is married. He didn't go... Sure. And his son is wanting to go into yeah. business for himself. But plain view... Because all this transformation of the world outside... Hasn't affected him. Modernization. Well. Yep. Hasn't touched... Uh, but it has. I mean, he built his mansion. But it also... It, it hasn't. You know what I mean? It, it The actual broader scope of that is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. All it's done is change the building he's standing in. That was quite the jump at the end there. 
Tim, now you've got me thinking of like alternate interpretations where it's like <laughs> maybe he didn't wake up from falling into the hole. This whole thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fever death dream. Mm-hmm. Was it just the length or and like, hit on the like, head. I, I, I know this didn't grab you quite the way I wanted it to, and it's fine. Like, no. I, let's because I shit all over Firefly, so let's let's. That's, no, it's fine. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm not gonna shit all over it. It's not. A, it's not a slow multi-episode long breakup of movie mumble. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more twenty-two episodes. I will of continue heartbreak. on with Zeke and John. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um, no, it was uh, like I kept. Waiting for something. Waiting to for happen. something to happen, yes. <laughs> and it was interesting too because I feel like okay, so I'm going to make probably a lot of comparisons to a lot of things. No, that's that's what we love about you, Tim. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was talking earlier today. Uh, uh, one of the people in my mail route had asked me if I watched Better Call Saul, and I said no because after I was done with Breaking Bad, it was like I, it was a great show, but I towards the end I hated watching it. Like it mm. was. And again, not a critic. Like the, it's it's wonderfully written. It was a a great story, but it just it like physically drained me to watch it. It was just kind of like fair. oh yeah. So it's so it's that sort of thing where it's just like yes, I'm not saying oh this is terrible. Like like it's good. Like kudos for all the people involved in making this. But it was just you know not for me. Um, and that was sort of the thing too, where it was kind of like like okay, like this is a story. And I was like, I, you know, and again, like, I don't know who or why someone said this story needs telling, but someone out there thought so. And some people out there like the story, like, you know, and I, and I think, it, you know, a lot of it also had to do with just like the, um, I'm not a huge fan of like the past I mean I guess in certain senses maybe a theoretical past you know that's why I do I can enjoy fantasy because a lot of it's like well this is a different world and we can remove certain aspects of what you know but then add in other aspects of what you don't know but certain things are fair game you know whereas if it's like a fictional story was this fictional or was this based on a true story I believe it's fictional it's okay. fictional I was looking at the the Wikipedia it's fictional it started with but it takes from the real world histories okay partly yeah partly for yeah. you know location and aesthetic but partly right. just for the, the yeah the that's, feeling it was pushing yeah that's what I figured yeah like let's set, you know and and I, so I think that was part of it is I don't I don't care much about our pioneer past um I don't you know it's it, I, especially nowadays in this day and age I, I have a hard time uh getting sort of revved up and you know oh yeah it was when it was completely unexplored by quote unquote anyone and we were going out there and we were making things happen and it's just like i i have a hard time getting excited about that nowadays you know and i you know and i, and I get it like we wouldn't be here if not for things like that and, and you know and and you know so, i mean especially with like the whole oil thing fossil fuels thing you know where it's just like like cool like you know i get it i know for for so long, and that that sort of created a bunch of advance advancements in our civilization. But um, you know, and, and you know, kind of like you know, kind of, you guys had just been saying about like him being kind of just stuck, like he didn't know how to really move forward. He has a different building that he's standing in, but he didn't really move. And you know, and that, that's again, I feel like something that you know, sort of like you know, like with with coal and you know, and other fossil fuels, you know, like with oil, where it's just kind of like, okay, like, well, this is all we've ever known, so this is all we're going to keep doing, and we're not going to move away from this. Like, you know, his, 
his character didn't evolve, you know, like it wasn't a sort of a stepping stone for him to do something different and better. It was like he found the one thing he was good at and stuck with it, which, you know, I mean, it worked for Orville Redenbacher, so, you know. <laughs> um, plus, I also feel like uh, it also reminded me, and especially when you're talking about the music, like the music was great. I love the music. Um, and a lot of the music kind of, like at the beginning, I was like, oh, is this also Penderecki? So I don't know if it was either Penderecki that they used or the composer was like emulating Penderecki, mm-hmm. but like it made me kind of think of The Shining. And yeah. a lot of it reminded me of that. Actually, it was like, it does. Wow. It's like The Shining, except it isn't haunted. Right. You know, you still get someone going nuts and, you know, I mean, you know, I guess he'd never got to beat anyone to death in The Shining. Right. But it was, you know, so there was kind of this parallel there where it was like, okay, kind of like I'm... I'm I'm invested in The Shining because of the the spooky aspect and the supernatural aspect and the haunting aspect and you know and the um, you know the claustrophobia even though you're in a giant building you know whereas this was kind of like why what like why are we going on this journey and um, I don't know and again it's not a criticism of the movie the movie was you know amazingly done like i could step back and appreciate all the parts of it and go wow this is great and you know almost to the point of like i wish i could enjoy this more like i wish i cared more about the story more you know and you know and the 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 parts of it with the like you said the church and the oil like that was kind of cool but like also towards the beginning when you were like oh just wait i kept waiting for all hell to break loose and for this to turn into like a legit fucking horror movie or something we're waiting for the thing to happen. Yeah. The film thing. The plot yeah. thing. That right. always happens. Yeah. The, the, a climax. <laughs> the movie thing. The, thing yeah. the music has been telling us is going to happen. Right. Yeah. And it never happens. And it happen. But while we're waiting for that, lots of stuff happens. Lots of things happen. But, it's, it, but they're yeah. not the thing. So we right. sort of gloss over them. And eventually the film starts to reach its conclusion and we go, oh my God, this is it. <laughs> like, this is everything. Yeah. And it's almost... It's almost that's the way playing field lived his life. Almost mm-hmm. was that lots of things happened. Yeah, but he just kept getting through them to wait for the the something, mm-hmm. and you know the bulk of the film is us finding out that that's not going to happen. Yeah, and him finding out that's not going to happen. Yeah, and it's almost like he had to create that thing. Like, oh, I need to beat this guy to death so that I can feel like this is what my life had been building to all along. You know, kind of like self fulfilling prophecy, like manufactured a climax and. Um, it also reminded me of Fargo a little bit too, where like a bunch of people kind of like raved about it, oh, and then I ke- yeah. again kept waiting for the thing, and it's like, oh. yeah, like he put her in the the yeah, shredder, the chipper, that. like it was like okay, but so much of the time you're just sitting there, like okay, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Oh, something's gonna happen. Nope, nothing happened. I you know. totally understand that. I totally agree about Fargo. I'm sorry I did this to you. No, no, it's okay. No, like, it's, I'm it's, glad you've seen it, and it, yeah. it's it's interesting, like, and because all of the metaphor is, like, biblical, mm-hmm. like, I see why that doesn't, like, pump your nads, you know, like... Well, I, no, I, I I do like biblical metaphor, because, I mean, it's, it's the mythology that I'm the most familiar with, right. you know, but it was, um, I guess I thought, you know, when you kind of put that idea in my head, like, I think my my brain was spinning as far as, like waiting for all of this 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 and i guess there was a quote-unquote confrontation between good and evil you know there was that but it was very much like yeah like like kind of very it was it was done very very human which you know was the point of the thing it wasn't meant to be a supernatural thriller you the know phrase it wasn't you used for fargo was my experience with the big lebowski 
Yeah, right. So we're all, it's like, we're yeah. all on the same page at this point. Yeah, where is this thing that's supposed to happen that's supposed to make me love right. this movie that everyone's been telling right. me about? Yeah. But and it's, I, I'm wondering because I didn't want to tell you anything about this going yeah. into it because I had gone into it completely cold. Right. And I'm wondering, should I have no. sent you the synopsis? I'm no. no, I mean, I don't think I mean, that would have changed it for me. But if you weren't expecting, been waiting like, for the synopsis events to unfold, well, no, I expected it, them to have more weight. If I had said like the subject matter is the oil, like a a prospector and no, but oil, I knew that already. You already knew that, yeah. but Tim didn't. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know that. Well, this is this is the whole thing about the yeah. podcast, right? Is like yeah. forcing you guys to watch something. Right, yeah, but exactly, exactly. No, and but that's like, the thing, and I was on board for that, and I'm not like angry because I didn't love it. No, it's, no, no. But that's just sort I, of where. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's just where. To riff on your what you said before, Tim, about the whole experience was unpleasant, but you know, but it was still a good movie. Yeah, I that clicked, and not in the way of like I guess at the end you you wouldn't recommend this. I had a I I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. I watched the film. The entire thing, every last frame, is awful to experience as a human being. Like, everything you feel, sadness and rage and helplessness, every... It was suffering, truly. To watch that film was to suffer. And I cannot understate that. But the film is flawlessly made. And it was... I'd say it was... I'd say you should watch it. Because it's worth it. It's The whole point about film is it can make us have these experiences... And a lot of films, games? no, I cannot, I can't remember it, and I don't own it, so I can't look at my shelf. Right. I don't own it on purpose because what? the film finished, and I said, "What happened in it?" Like, give I us don't some remember clues. anymore. I have this. I, I can remember. I remember the things I felt. Trauma. So vividly. <laughs> PTSD. And I remember finishing the movie and going, What's "I would good? recommend this to everybody, but I am never going to watch this again if I have a choice." Was it irreversible? No. It's just that's not, not movie, but not not in the way that like I guess if I had finished that sentence with. And also, I I wish I hadn't done this. No, like I'm glad, glad I did. You, you know what I mean? Like it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen I, I, I cannot yeah. believe I remember what it was. Actually, well, I do have it. It's it a... Grave of the Fireflies fits if you've ever seen that and know what it is. No. That would be a film that probably fits the exact same vein of you should watch this, but by God, never do it again. Um, but it wasn't bad. I had that experience with a. Um... Document. I've almost bought it to the podcast a couple of times, but I don't know if I could sit through it again. Yeah, right. It's only 24 minutes long, and it's by the director who did Eyes Without a Face, which is an outstanding French horror film from 1968. But it's about slaughterhouses at the... Oh, you were telling me about that. At, yeah. it's in, at like the turn of the century, mm-hmm. and it's... A very Upton Sinclair jungle. It, it, it's so visceral, and it's amazing what you can see in black and white of yeah. individual slaughtering cattle. It, it's horrifying. Oh, the turn of the century, too. Jesus Christ. Nothing about food in the early 1900s was... Maybe it's not that early. I, I might be misrepresenting right. that, but it, maybe the 20s. I'm, I know, I'm, but still, but even... Yeah. I mean, when, when was the... What do they call it? The Pure Food and Drug Act. I've been talking to my dad about this because he's been studying it. Okay, so the Pure Food Drug Act was 1906, although it was a drop in the bucket in terms of it took a while to turn around. But I mean, stuff we're talking about was formaldehyde in your milk. Yeah. Because it didn't right. go bad as fast. Yeah. And, and you know, that sort of thing. And the whole, the whole the very idea of food regulation 
was not a thing for for nearly as long as most people tend to think. Um, Sorry, I'm just looking at this um, documentary real quick. Yeah, and I mean, you get, you know, sometimes you get... Um, Blood of the Beasts. Blood of the Beasts. 1949. 49. Bucolic scenes from the outskirts of Paris are contrasted with stark footage from slaughterhouses. It, it's horrifying. And we will probably watch it at some point. <laughs> but th- because that was, you hate us. <laughs> well, no, because it's just really interesting. I, I don't know if it'll yield a feature length. I mean, we could have a 22-minute conversation that would be feature length in mm-hmm. rela- relation to that. But, like, the things that I've seen that are truly disturbing in movies, Funny Games is one of those, but I would recommend watching it because of what it yeah. it actively resists desensitization in a way that I have never seen before. And it's it's horrifying. And totally, I mean, Michael Hanke wanted people to march out of the theater in disgust. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is not supposed to be entertaining. Right. Which is a great, like, fuck you to everything. <laughs> but... Um, but the other one was like Last House on the Left, which is a horrifying, traumatic film for the first like seven eighths. The last eighth, you get some bloody murders, which are so well earned, and it's like righteous bloodlust at the end. The the people who were doing the bad things get fucked up, and it's oh, right. okay. Is that is it's a garbage disposal feature in that? No. And not even feature is too strong a word. It's just one of the things. I don't that, think it no? does. Okay. Then I'm looking at There's some twisted else, dentists but... in it. I'm going to say that, and that's it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the audible shiver from Tim. <laughs> I just, it, it's interesting wanting to frame the, my picks better. I don't know if there's a way to do that, or if I even should. Like, I'm glad we're, no. we're having this no, conversation. I, yeah, I don't I, think I'm glad I yeah. went into this cold, yeah. for sure. And I mean, I, and that's, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's the other thing too is I wouldn't not recommend it to someone. Right. Like if there was someone who I could think mm-hmm. of that was like, you know, oh yeah, I really like kind of the, you know the the westerny type of thing. It's like, oh, you should watch this. Like you know, again, like I didn't think it was bad. It just wasn't for me. So if I know of someone, and that's that's one of the things I'm also trying to get better at too. And I'm recommending stuff that I like to people to not be like, oh, this person will not like this. You right. know, I'll, but I'm going to tell them to watch it anyway, and they're going to hate it. You mm-hmm. know. Um, but like to be like okay like if you like this and this you might like it but if you don't like this don't watch it like you will hate it you know kind of thing but yeah this was one one more step along the line that brings us films like Sicario I'm trying to think of a similar film that y'all will have seen but I'm still borrowing that I haven't watched it yet I'm sorry but I know Tim hasn't seen it either Mm -hmm. just along the like where the end of the film is sort of not the happy ending mm. but in things like Sicario and others there's still just there's a plot you got main characters and they go through it's you know a much more regular plot mm-hmm. this was that same kind of like just shit's gonna be crazy and bad stuff's gonna happen and sometimes it won't make sense and at the end of it it won't be a happy ending but this was one more step removed from the traditional plot mm. does that make sense? Mm. and that's you know that's why it where it grabbed its audience is people who like those sorts of nasty dramas mm. but it just if you've watched a bunch of those then they're like how about you go a little deeper and we sort of make things make less sense and that's 
sort of like this is here. more of a meditation than anything mm. else. Yeah. Like, I, it's it calling it trying to put it in a three act structure sure doesn't make any sense. Like it, it just doesn't. It, it it's that's the thing. Like, what do I like about this movie? And I, the plot has nothing to do with it. The subject matter has very little to. I mean, it's interesting. It's cool to see like now a well is here. Mm-hmm. But it is also the, like now the character and his performance as an encapsulation of the insanity that built this nation. I mean, we don't see slaughtering Indians in this, so. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> but that's another thing. No, like, I it's didn't. It's a different time. But that doesn't make slaughtering Indians okay. No, no, not, no, no, no. I don't <laughs> that's mean, what it seems. Well, no, no, like wrong application of the term. Uh-huh. I meant different time, as in the insanity that built this nation, as the industrial section of it, not the expansion section. Does that make sense? Each period has its own kind of Daniel Day-Lewis Plainfield character that we could use to center this this everything onto and this period of shift from frontier to industry to build mm-hmm. is what we captured here. You keep saying Plainfield. It's Plainview. Plainview. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it was wow. bugging me. I'm, so, I'm not trying to be rude. No, thank you. Um, it was but Sarah whereas, said we were watching it with Sarah. And she had commented that why does it sound like this was all on Indian burial ground? Right. Yeah. What I mean no, I know what you were. If meaning. we were gonna s- different time, not as oh that was a different time. Forgive them. No, no. I, it was a different I, time for the film. I we could you. have another film right. with the slaughter of Indians and a different plain view character. But the purpose of this film is when that that business is over. No, I know. <laughs> um, was what I meant. Yeah. And that's something Tim I, is an interesting light to view it in. I mean, like, it is the light that, that's when it was happening. It's this Westford expansion. Mm-hmm. And watching it without acknowledging that is, you're, you're bringing out a, a unwoke part of me, which I really appreciate. You gave me the woke poke. Well, and, woke and, poke. And, and, not, and not to do it in, like, a guilty sort of way. No, or like, you I, shouldn't enjoy this no, because of this, I, I, but just for me, that no, was, that, you know. that's a really interesting perspective, especially with the idea of, like, okay, this is, in a sense, glorifying coal and... It, and oil, yeah. And now we're dealing with the effects of mm-hmm. our heroin addiction to it. You right. know, like that. It, that's yeah. a, that's an interesting light, and it, it's <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, I guess in a roundabout way, they do kind of talk about because you know he is talking about like, hey, I want to send this pipeline through your land. You know, so like there that that was there, but for some reason it was different because it was white people and white people. You know, so it was kind of more. I feel like maybe more civil. You know, and the you know the one guy who was like, "Yeah, you're not coming through my land." Like he was the one who had you know, who had the team and woke up with the gun, and it was just like, "Hey, you're gonna come to church." Like, right. okay, yes, I will go to church. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, it's like he's our proverbial, our proverbial Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, of the figure around which we center our presentation of this. Thing, yeah. These things that happened, you know, he's like, like an artificial for that. No, right? Yeah. I, and no, like I we could that. have another film just like this for a whole bunch of different eras of America. No, for well, sure. It also <laughs> reminded me a lot of Scarface. You know, it he's did, like the Tony uh, Montana. Oh you know, God. like like where it's like, hey, I'm gonna come to America. Yeah. I'm gonna be this guy. I'm gonna do all this stuff. It's Maybe like, hey, who like are you it's... coming in here to our play, our place? And it's like, oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make a lot of money. I'm gonna have a mansion. Right, our De Niro. 
Or, what was it that uh, Mulaney said? Why do you keep comparing Scarface to good movies? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. <laughs> He's like, everybody always lists it with, like, Goodfellas and The Godfather. It's not as good a movie. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, Scarface, yeah. too. I haven't yeah. seen it. it. You haven't seen Scarface? Nope. Yeah. Chainsaw? It's... Yeah, it's it's one of those two. Like, there's so many good one-liners from it, you know. And I don't I don't know if part of it's just like, you know, this, this whole time, this whole time, this is a pussy, pussy waiting, waiting to get, to get fucked. fucked. <laughs> you know what else I haven't finished? I haven't finished Goodfellas because I keep just getting bored. That is, I don't know. The ending is not going to help that. See, that's what I say. I don't know if it's going to eventually pay off. But I'm going to say this is controversial. If you're going to see any Scorsese, watch. The Departed, and then stop. <laughs> I started. Does... I started The Departed too, and didn't finish that one day. But that was because I was. I just started it on a whim, and then ran out of time. Was like looking at the clock in the Netflix bar and going, "I don't have time to finish this, so I'm going to put this aside." The thing about Scorsese, I made it I like can't ten stand. minutes in that before I made that realization. Right. So that was yeah. With Scorsese, I just don't like the narration. He does it in every goddamn movie. <laughs> he even does it in Gangs of New York, which is. Actually, a pretty good movie. I heard that's really good, actually. Yeah. Uh, who is it? Liam Neeson is in it. Uh, Leo DiCaprio is in it, mm-hmm. and so is uh, Cameron Diaz and uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Um, was there a narration in Taxi Driver? Because I finished that. Yeah. No. De Niro definitely talks in that. In the over. Yeah. The top. No, yeah. You're right. You're right. Just Taxi Driver. I liked. It's. It's a little weird and it's not aged well but and that's that's part of why I like it to be honest mm. is that it's so much a product of its time it's because the film itself yeah. is also trying to present a particular time that's fair yeah. so it, the way it gets stuck <clears throat> this sort of almost feels like it fulfilled its own prophecy of identity yeah. well, um, watch the, the Departed that's the one to watch yeah. in my opinion but um no, this is very Scarface. I didn't. Yeah, like, like he's definitely like the, the anti-hero, you know, of just I like you know, he's he's kind of the guy you're supposed to be rooting for, but like, he's not a great guy, yeah. but you can't help but still root for him right. somehow. And I don't think there was narration in Shutter Island. Probably not, because that would break the the this big spoiler of it, I guess. Yeah, although it's also not one of his to to cast things like Taxi Driver or Goodfellas as one of his. Did he direct Standards. it and write it? Yeah, I clicked on director okay. on here on the IMDb set, so that directed, yes. Caviator, I saw that. Howard Hughes, right? Yeah. I saw that when I was like 14. <laughs> no, I saw that recently, semi-recently. Cape Fear, Casino. I don't know why we're talking about Scorsese. Last Temptation. That's money. kind of like I felt like this is kind of like the color of money is supposed to be upsetting to watch. Speaking of films that disconcert people, no, that makes sense. Although I haven't seen it. Oh, Raging Bull, that's on my list. So wait, you you said this was like Last Temptation? I want to talk about that. Well, okay, I haven't seen Last <laughs> Temptation, but like it, it made me think of like the Temptation of Christ, uh-huh. right? The idea of going into the desert and being tried by Satan, mm. and. To a certain extent, both, both Eli and Plainview are yeah. tested by each other. Right. And they're both found wanting. Like, mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you get a certain Judas sense from Paul, right? Mm-hmm. He's betrayed and he right. invites the snake into the garden like this. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's... I don't know. 
you don't like it, you don't like it. It's fine. Like, no, no. I, I, well, it's the, interesting to look at these things and kind of layer them on top of it. Cause that's, I mean, that's that's the things that I like to take apart with stuff. Like what what symbolism is is in here that you know that whether the director intended it or not. You know, right. I think that's that's part of it. And, and I think this is more like the packaging just doesn't appeal to you. Yeah. Doesn't matter what the like if this was if this was the same story set in, in space, space maybe I would have liked right? it or set in some sort of medieval magic town maybe I would have liked it better you know like God I wish that Daniel Day Lewis would do a space opera <laughs> oh my him as Flash Gordon <laughs> he would fucking nail Flash Gordon I just, I, Flash num- <laughs> numbers error I don't you just put in numbers and put them together with some letters and the computer of my brain just went this is, this isn't a thing. <laughs> Just, no. <laughs> uh, or not even, I mean, or also, like, I mean. <clears throat> he's just really good, like, a great actor. Like, I yeah. I would watch him do pretty much any, I mean, probably not uh, Last of the Mohicans, which is awful. Oh, he was in that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other stuff that he's been in. Like, I know he we said Games of New York. <laughs> Lincoln, he was really good in Lincoln. Okay, I didn't yeah. see that. Um, was he the dad uh, in Jumanji? Is that him? he sounded a lot like that. Phantom no. Thread was his last okay. film. I don't know what that and is. And last I mean, he said it was his last. Oh. Right. But also most recent. So let's see. Lincoln, There Will Be Blood. Uh, the Battle of, of Jack and Rose. Games of New York, yeah. The Boxer, The Crucible. Oh, <laughs> forgot he was in that. In the Name of the Father, The Age of Innocence, Last of the Mohicans. Hippers Mill, New Jersey, My Left Foot. My Left Foot was the other one I was thinking of. The Unbearable Lightness of Being. I haven't seen any of, of these. <laughs> Just wish he would do like an epic or so. I don't know. Like he would have been a good Spartacus. He could have been a good Ben-Hur. I don't know. Wasn't Just... that his Lincoln? Well, no, but I, I still want to see him. And Gandhi? He wasn't Gandhi. Yeah. No, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, he was yeah. in Gandhi. I'm sorry. Yeah. He was in I Gandhi. Missed your, I missed yeah. your, your int frame. He was in Gandhi. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I haven't really seen him in much to, to sort of picture him doing another type of role. This but is actually he was definitely good. Like, right. I, mean, you know, I, I would almost argue Lincoln was his epic, except that the film itself wasn't. Right. No, like, I mean, that's an iconic <laughs> character, and he, he was really good in it. I, I, that if the film had been done differently, it would have been his... His Spartacus, his, right. his patent. I just want him with a sword and some sandals. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> He's the Prince of Persia. <laughs> I don't know. He just he seems always. Every time I see him, he kind of reminds me of like a Lawrence or Rip, uh, Olivier or Peter or Tool, like these mm. old like epic big yeah. name actors. Yeah. yeah. Like Heston, but less guns. You know, like right. <laughs> I don't know. Wondering if there's a trend with my stuff that's very performance and character driven yeah. rather than other well, things. Like I mean, you know, that's what Bronson was, right? Bronson yeah. is not a movie. That at the very end of the Holy Blood, when he turns to us, the audience, and says, "I'm, I'm finished." Yeah, that was a Bronson moment. <laughs> and maybe that's just a thing. I, I mean, I, yeah. Well, and, and that was the thing too. Is like I, I definitely acknowledge like all the the details, and I think that's part of it too. Is that like you know after you mentioned some of those things about like sort of the you know i've been trying to imprint some sort of metaphor biblical correlation right. onto it but so much of it was just like oh yeah here's the you know the rope as they're pushing this thing in the ground it's coming back up and and it was definitely like you know so detailed and you get to live in that world and and i just i think that's it like i i just don't care about that world you know like i appreciate how much 
effort went into creating that world um but it's not yeah it's not for me in that sense and something it also another yeah it was funny that you brought tarantino up before because i feel like it, it reminded me of a lot of tarantino too where it's right. like you're uh see i i still haven't seen was it hateful eight um i want to see it i just still haven't seen it yet but like it reminded me a lot of like jackie brown where yeah we're just gonna hang out in this guy's living room for a while and just have a bunch of conversations about whatever people would have conversations about in a living room and it was like cool i see what you're doing but i'm not interested in any of these topics you know it's, it's kind of like when i'm like hanging out with people i actually know in real life and they stop, start talking about sports it's not that i think nobody should be talking about sports like okay i don't yeah. want to be a part of this conversation. conversation i want to just yeah. remove myself and go do right, something so. else um doesn't you know it's not i'm not saying it shouldn't be happening right it's i just don't want to be you, part right. of it yeah so that's that's kind of a lot how this yeah this movie felt where it's just like like hey some people are gonna really love this and and you know and and yeah like as far as the you know the quote-unquote mature part of me saying oh like look appreciate the details appreciate the work that went into it appreciate the acting you know and um, and I mean, I've seen that a lot with a lot of things, and a, a lot. <laughs> I've also, I feel like I've kind of talked about this with, um, for lack of a better term, this is a sweeping generalization, <laughs> but a lot of times I'll compare the type of movies that come out of New York versus coming out of L.A. And New York is very like, hey, here are two people walking through the city doing things that people in the city do. And look at the city and look at the buildings and look at the street and look at the taxi. <laughs> and they're talking about stuff and they're going to go to a diner and we're going to sit and we're going to listen to the conversation they have in the diner, which isn't really about anything. But look at the diner and look at the waitress and look at her name tag. And, look, and it's just like, cool, man. Like, I get it. You love New York. Like, you want to suck New York's dick. I get it, you know. <laughs> And that was you kind don't of like a, Seinfeld, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> but but so so it, it to me it like I mean it was and it was probably a like a Hollywood movie, but it had that vibe to me where it was like you know yeah the people who love this are gonna be like blowing their load all over it because it's just like I feel like I'm living in this time you know and but the people who don't it's gonna go cold for them. Right, right yeah it's like I don't want I'm glad I don't live in that time you it's know like, why am I watching this go up and down for fifty seconds <laughs> right, you know? so so yeah that was kind of like one of the thoughts I had too and again like not that those movies are are bad and shouldn't be made but it's just like okay they're just they're for the for, people for yeah they're the people yeah. who who kind of want those real life people stories that you know and and sometimes I can appreciate them too especially if it's sort of bringing to light a, a perspective that I wouldn't have thought of or like you know oh well this is about a boy and a girl but you know one of them has some sort of some sort of quirk that makes them sort of different and and how they approach relationships because of that it's like oh okay well that's interesting that's outside of my frame of knowledge you, you know i can as opposed to just yeah like the we're gonna make this as real as possible it's like well, why do i care then and there was a comic book one time at comic-con this guy's like yeah it's a comic book about these guys who are just going to their jobs and going through their daily lives it's like i do that every day why do i want to read about that like <laughs> i want to read about the shit i can't do you know <laughs> So anyway, were you going to say, Joel? Have you seen The Revenant? I saw part of it. I saw The Bear Attack. <laughs> Scott, have you seen it? No. God damn it. Um, that so, one is welcome very... Welcome to episode 22 as we struggle to... <laughs> find any find common ground. <laughs> we got through The Matrix and Blade Runner like in Star Wars. We can't talk about Star Wars this podcast. Um, 
Actually, that's a good point, though. I like how we're drawing on things that are outside of the normal no, scope of just cycling really well. back to them. Because yeah. what, I, what I was going to say about The Revenant is that is a movie that a lot of people praise for how difficult it was to make, how realistic that world feels. And it's all shot with natural light. But lighting. that's where it's, all the price comes from, isn't it? Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is that is more of a movie with a story than ah. this is. Oh, okay. So okay. it manages to do both those things. And I'm actually... I'm interested to see... When I bring Birdman, because you haven't seen Birdman, no, I, I want to see Birdman. But I, I, I get the sense that it's a that is a very New York type mm-hmm. movie, and it's very much about how it's built and the performances. Actually, never mind. I'm shooting myself in the foot. You fucking love it because yeah, no, you like probably. It. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> you saw the trailer, right? I mean, how much more meta can you get than fucking <laughs> Michael Keaton playing a, a guy who used to play a character called Birdman? <laughs> okay. Isn't the Bird whole thing person. just scored by a guy playing drum set too? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like doing it like just live, just like it's so, okay. Never mind. Should have brought that instead of this. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm glad you brought. Well, this. I'm actually, I'm actually glad that we're having a conversation that's not. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Forty-five minutes of yeah, it's good. Right. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I was expecting more of this with Gods of Egypt, honestly. Yeah, yeah Gods of Egypt was great. It's, really <laughs> yeah, it's a good conversation. This, this is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> good episode. <laughs> Bye. Done. <laughs> no, I think I think the Revenant. I mean, same director. Uh, as this? As no, a, as as um, Birdman. Birdman. Oh, okay. I always get Birdman and Whiplash confused because they came out at the same time. They're mm. very drum heavy. You probably wouldn't like Whiplash because it's about a jazz drummer. Even... No, I think you like it. I think you like it. Have you <sighs> even heard of Whiplash? I don't. I can't conjure anything. So Miles J.K. Simmons, where he's Simmons. like a band director, and it's that. Nope, I got nothing. Okay, but yeah, it's it's like, and 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 that's what I've heard. I remember seeing a discussion unfold on Facebook about you know sort of the like someone saying like oh that movie looks way too stressful for me and someone was like yeah that's what like you know new york jazz is like and this, and this being this ultra competitive and, and it was just like god damn like you know and, and it re- kind of reminded me of like parts in my musical past where you know and this is i don't this is why i don't play sports because i'm not into competition i'm into like you know kind of like collaborating yeah and that's what this Listening. movie seems to be about is like we're up against these other bands and we got to do this we got to play as fast as possible and as tight as possible and as soon as and it's just like well hey like yes we want to do those things but not to fucking beat some other band right. you know it's like but you like drumline yeah <laughs> well maybe that okay that's different I'm too just, that's I'm just giving yeah. you shit like no i i, I know what you mean yeah like because the whole thing about drumline is like Marching band is a competition. It's right. school project. But also, it wasn't like about this. the band director like beating the shit out right. of all his students. Right. You right. know, right. like it was about like kind of the the relationships between the fellow students yeah. and that sort of. No, the thing I mean, what I really like about Whiplash is how it portrays the musician, like the professional musician or like the learned musician, and it's re- their relationship with their family. Oh, and their okay. family praises the doctor or the football player or the triple-A baseball player, whereas, like, the Division One drummer from the this drum and bugle corps mm-hmm. ain't shit because they don't understand that world. Like, right. it, it, it's not marketable in the same way. Right. They really hammer that home, which is nice. Just in a set, like, having played in bands and having a sister who was a drum major in mm-hmm. a really good marching band, and, like, nobody fucking gets that. Right. <laughs> and, like, that, that was just... See, Something that's I really funny because where I was from, we did. Virgin yeah. bands were a big deal. Like, we were bigger than the football team at my high school. 
Our football and team was not at, our, not at the other high school. Or not all of the not all of them in the region were like right. that. But even if they weren't bigger than the football team, they were like number two. Yes. The marching band was a thing. It was a big deal. Halftime is um, game time. <laughs> and that's the point. The halftime was no fuck halftime. That was oh yeah, we'll go perform. It'll seem cool. Halftime was we would come off and then do notes. Here's what you did wrong. Here's what you did because halftime was just a sort of bullshit. Dress rehearsal for the competition. Right, right, right. right. States and, yeah. you know, no, that's yeah. regions, yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. 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 And actually, I directed a drumline in Colorado, a high school drumline, and that's what it was. Like, that, you know, like, it made me miss my days doing, like, college drumline, where there were, I don't think we ever did anything that was comp- a competition. You know, we played football. the football games. Yeah. And, and it was actually fun, you know, yeah. like, you'd screw around in the stands. And this was, like, you know, kind of. And, and it was also really weird, too, because a lot of what I noticed is all of the bands were, quote-unquote, better. It was more about, like, the presentation of what they were doing. Well, this band has 12 synthesizers and this yeah. one voiceover track, and they've got this many things scattered about the field that they're interacting with. And, like, there's one show that was about... I probably shouldn't get into too many details because I don't want someone to be like, hey, that was my high school. <laughs> but, like, a bunch of stuff where I was like... What the fuck does this have to do with marching band? Like first of all, and that was one of the things that I was I was actually happy of about the the, the I was the me and a friend of mine were the drumline instructors for URI my my undergrad, and we made the rule that like this is a marching band. There is no pit. There is no one who's gonna fucking stand there and play. Nice. Either you're marching or that's it. Like we're not wheeling out fucking xylophones and marimbas <laughs> and bass guitar and timpani. Like no. Like you march or, or that's it. You know. And it was nice that we get to do that, but like, that's the opposite of what happens. It's almost just like, God damn it! Like, there's just there's a there's orchestra, a orchestra of percussion <laughs> in the pit, and it's just like, well, and it, and it's all mic'd, and it's all, it was just like, oh my god! Like the, like I get that it's impressive, but like, at what point are you? It just seems so far removed. From, anyway, this is getting way off topic, but <laughs> but you know, and and that was one of the things too. Is like my high school was very concert band oriented, and I was super glad about that. Like I don't know if I would be a, a, a musician still if we had been doing marching band because marching band was something we did because we had to, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that was part of it. That was part of maybe my conditioning. But you know, I knew of schools nearby that they were a big marching band school, and I was just like, yeah, but you guys would. So- I don't care how good you can brag about sounding while you're marching. But if you sat down, you'd sound so much better. <laughs> you know, like that was always my thing. Like See, our the was sound, just a band school, period. Mm-hmm. And like the marching band was the the sportsified, traveling, winning medals thing. But you know, the concert bands were a big deal, and the two the two jazz bands were a big deal, and etc. You know, it was the whole the whole program was mm-hmm. just the the thing. Our marching band, yeah, was yeah. A joke. Like we had eight people. My you know, yeah, year. just where when we got to the larger, broader competitions. I mean, schools from California, schools from Nevada, schools from Texas and Utah. <laughs> I, it's a lot of story, but and I guess occasionally from New Mexico when the population was high enough, um, and that's kind of it. Like it was very southwesty, mm-hmm. and then Texas likes to reach over and be southwesty. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I don't. Yeah, I don't recall any even conversation of bands from places like Colorado for the most part. Well, no, I and like maybe we, it's just because we didn't do a national level competition yeah, while I was there. different divisions. Like we had state and stuff and like regionals. Like it, it, it just different, it, I don't know, different no, years for I different mean, queers. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like it, it just, it was never fun. 
and I was a section captain by default, and then I was drum major basically by default, and then our band director left before my senior year, and I was drum major. Were you drum major because you don't want to learn drill anymore? Is that why? No, I was drum major <laughs> like... because nobody else was going to do it, and it wasn't going to be a marching band without that oh, apparatus. It was really <laughs> shitty and never fun. Yeah. And I, I mean, jazz band was the thing I was most excited about, mm-hmm. but like... I, I love that this is where the conversation is going. <laughs> it's like you mentioned one movie. It's like, oh, well, if we're going to talk about movies that are about music, let's just stop talking about movies and talk about music. A oh, whiplash. That's how we got it. Okay. Because, like, I was thinking, I, I thought I'll back to Drumline. I was like, how do we get to Drumline? <laughs> I really liked this movie's sense of place. Little Blood, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Remember what the podcast is actually about? <laughs> <laughs> well, just about and I, I don't know how much of it... Is it because it's California? Well, I was going to say, I don't know how much <laughs> it comes from that. But yes, it, it comes from a... Like, this is how this place was, and we learned about that in school, but also in some ways how it still is. And not necessarily in terms of people, but in terms of terrain. Yeah, no, it looks like very similar. You can just drive out there, there it is. Yeah. Done. I mean, that's... Yep. It's not... It hasn't changed... You know, that's the, I don't know if I would have ever assumed that it was California. I mean, I didn't. I I didn't read any more into it. This like, okay, it's a hundred miles from the coast. I guess. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they're said. in the ocean, sure. and it's not sure. the the east coast. Oh, right. okay. Yeah, right. it must be California. Yeah. So for and, me, and, it was yeah. like this. This is the west. I was able to recognize it because yeah, that's no. where I'm from. But and that's from the what I appreciated. But yeah. of California. But yeah. Um, and especially just it. A few more things clicked about like yeah there are still oil wells and out there pumping if you drive to the right places and he mentioned at one point he he mentioned on a pipeline to Wainimi, Port Wainimi, which is still out there which is very near where I grew up um, there is right right inland from there an abandoned oil refinery <laughs> and it's much more newer it's you know modern day refinery it's just no longer in use but that sort of all clicked as Oh, right! Like, all of this does stretch back all the way to when there was nothing out here. It's so funny that you, like, in terms of location and, like, timing, you were always the one who has the touchstones for that. I don't know or give a fuck about history, really, and it's it, it's just so interesting to have that perspective come about. Because, I mean, when did I, I... I thought the the Kennedy assassination was in the wrong decade several podcasts ago. I and guess. I'm going to keep bringing it up because I felt like such an idiot for saying that wrong. I, but, I only know what decade it was because of the Stephen King story that was made right. into the miniseries on... With Franco and yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is great if you haven't seen it. <laughs> I well, no, I just... It, it, it's really interesting that... it's That seems to be something you latch on to in the different movies. It's like, this is a very era... I've always loved history and I've always loved film and before we began this podcast there were a couple of a number of things that happened college classes and whatnot yeah, that no. brought the two together for right. me very firmly so so yeah I think I just have never had a decent history education like every ca- class I ever took in high school was bullshit mm. and you would be you would get to like yeah, the end fair. of the American Revolution and then we would be out of time for the whole year like I had some good history classes but a lot of it was just self-interest the mm. things that I, the books that I was devouring as a child gotcha I had no a, I just I, I just was noticing that like you're very into place in time and yeah. in actual locale which and is then cool. it helps that because of my studies of social social literal social studies sociology <laughs> and whatnot the study of society of the so much of society is its place and time right 
So all of that connects. All three of those things come together in three passions of mine. Gotcha. So that was something that one of the bigger revelations, which is going to tie into the film I'm picking next, which we'll talk the about. The third revelation? No. <laughs> um, was I, I spent a lot of time studying 20th century history. Okay. 1900s just as a favorite. And World War II was the, the start of that, and it branched out, you know, and I've been filling in gaps. But almost somehow the Cold War just got kind of skipped. Like we, It's a long period of time. Well, right, but that's what I mean, except for oh, Vietnam, Korea, and then fall the wall. Done. And that was, it's so that fun was that we measure time scare. with the next war. Yeah, and just, that was mm. the end of my... Somehow the Cold War had been left behind. And mm -hmm. certain things were, you know, I didn't get to World War One until I was over 20 as a like I had known it happened but I didn't dig in until then you know dig it takes time to trench. it takes it takes time <laughs> to to come around to a particular topic right but the big revelation for me was I watched some some in my film my film my class about European film mm -hmm. our unit about German film was largely films that took place in a divided Germany they dealt with the division and that was the first time it ever really hit me I felt like such an idiot the walls went up and then decades passed, right. and the wall came down. <laughs> Germany was divided for a, a lifetime and a half, for so much of its history. See, I have the same thing. And I just didn't think about it. I thought about it as a single nation. Right. With this minor inconvenience. Right. No, I, I had the same thought with, in, this is how bad my history education was, that I thought, okay, they bombed Pearl Harbor, and then we bombed Hiroshima. Like, that was the first thing we did, like, over. Like... There were several, several it's the years. highlights. You know? <laughs> like, and that. And then, I, you I know, did the we, same with the thing. walls, they went up. People were born in a divided Germany, right. grew up in a divided Germany, had children, and died in a divided Germany. Our country went through the prosperous 50s, the Red Scare, the, the whole the Kennedy assassination, the space race, the 60s, the Beatles, the British invasion, the, the 70s, the whole drugs thing, the Kent State shooting. We went through. Which, you know, part of it is just because I grew up here and that's what we studied, you know. But so much happened in those decades. So much. Right. That is such a huge period of time. And I and always to think just. About a nation my my lump together of it was just, oh yeah, Germany. Oh yeah. Walls went up, <laughs> Berlin Airlift, walls of it. And then eventually they came down. And I, it, it, that was one particular revelation that film opened up for me Gosh. of a, yeah, by the way, you have completely ignored right. this huge, important time and place in history times and place and that's yeah that, that refocused historical film is which something I, I already enjoyed at the time it, it pushed it up further into a I should prioritize some of this gotcha. so, so that's why I end up talking about that a lot no, I, I wasn't criticizing it no no I know you weren't I, I just, it yeah, wanted to provide some background there I remember when the wall came down and that that I think is one of those things that makes it kind of like weird to me to talk about it as history because I think of history as stuff that I happened mean, you remember it when it happened yeah. right yeah but to be like oh yeah you know like if I talk to my mom about the Kennedy assassination like that's right. not history that's her lifetime you know and yeah <clears throat> so yeah it's weird to, to you know to, <laughs> to be talking to people that are young enough for me where it's like was, were you born when, or you just I was really born young? after what, what year was it I can't remember I was born years. after Germany reunified okay but I think before and by before I mean like right before the Soviet Union broke up Okay. You're welcome, world. <laughs> um, but 
this is the but one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was always something from before. Yeah. And even, honestly, even the breakup of the... Even all that stuff from those first few years of my life, I was, you know, I was an infant, I was right. a toddler. Those were also history. Mm. Things that didn't happen yeah. with this sense of reality, mm. the way yeah. things that have happened during my lifetime yeah. did. You, you probably, yeah, still had to learn about it from a book. Right? Yeah. From like, hey, yeah. this happened yesterday. This was talked about. But I've yeah. started having that just with things that... Well, 9-11 was one. Mm. I was at the museum with my mom, and there were these children there, and they were asking questions, and their parents were, like, explaining them to them, past tense, and I just... It, I, what? Like, they don't remember that? Right. Of course they don't. They're, like, six. You know? Yeah. Their I parents you were telling us even, when you were... Where you were during... No, no, like, that, like that, their parents might, hadn't even weird. met I when that you. happened. Like, oh my god, I just... That time passes, and that... But that... Yes, I have lived through some history, and then therefore all other history happened to people. It just right. it brought all of the past forward. It is a smack in the face in this very real way. Gotcha. You know, it changed my perspective quite a bit. Something else that achieved a similar thing was I, I heard a Holocaust survivor speak, gotcha. and that very much brought things out of the abstract mm -hmm. and into the real I mean, as well. That definitely helps that mm -hmm. POV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay, back to the film. Sorry. Just no, it's fine. Yeah. I, I I opened that box, and I'm I'm not mad oh. that it was open. Although I just have one quick thing because it kind of had to do with what you were saying, but also has to do with the film. Okay. But before I say that, I also want to say when you were talking about like your past with history, I actually had really good history teachers. If any of you are ever listening to this, <laughs> like like yeah. you you guys were great, but I just I hated the subject. So don't feel like you know it was it, like, and I would never be like, yeah, man, I it was like. I could tell, like, wow, this this person's really into what they're doing, and they're making it engaging, and my brain's just shutting down. Like, yeah. that's just me. So, number one. But number two, the whole idea with, like, California that really did, kind of clicked with me is that, like, it's almost like this is sort of that, that culmination of the Western expansion. Like, where do we go to the ocean? Like, you know, aside from Hawaii, like, that's in, in, right. in Alaska, you know, like, that we can't go anymore. Like, so I, I almost kind of, like, when you said that, it kind of clicked that... You know, building this pipeline, I mean, sure, like, to get it to the ocean, get it on boats, but it's also just, like, that. that's it. That's as far as we can expand this thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's almost, so almost like to say this is where that that idea of expansion stops, in a sense. Again, we still have two other states beyond that, but, like, as far as the continental, you know, unified, like, like yeah, like, this, this is it. We're at the ocean now. So okay, unless we're gonna conquer Atlantis, you know, like this is where, where this is it, you know. So that was just something I thought of that was kind of on the, you know, symbolic end as well as the historical end or whatever. But so well, California has been a state longer than Colorado. Really, that's yeah, interesting. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was already a state before the Civil War. Oh wow. Yeah, and we're the Centennial State because we weren't officially like commissioned <laughs> until. The the nation had existed for a hundred years. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, and but that's there's this is a deeper connection to the West in east of California than there is in California mm. because California because of it being that culmination mm -hmm. that push everything flowed there. It had big cities like San Francisco, mm -hmm. huge city that is and was, you know, pretty quickly, and then the gold rush and the oil and all sorts of other things brought people to California very quickly. And it just exploded. And as a result, it sort of stopped becoming a frontier eventually when it got enough people in it. It took much longer to happen on the places between California and the East right. because people just kept going, you know. Yeah. And that was this weird, you know, because I, I, 
I mean, the whole country was east of me growing up. Everything's east. Right. So yeah. to come here, or even just to drive from LA, where which I've done a few times, and to find these towns that where the West is so much more a part of their identity, mm-hmm. their present identity, whereas in California it's at most a part of the history. Right. Was like we went east, but we're in the west. It was this weird, <laughs> weird moment for me. Of, huh? <laughs> like, that's, oh, that's, it's funny because like there's actually like a, I was telling someone about the whole Game of Thrones thing with like the uh, the wildlings who will refer to Winterfell as the South. Right. But everyone's like, no, this is the North. north. Like, yeah. no, like right. we live, you know, we're up there. This is the South. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yes, please, Joel. There will be blood. No, there I will just... be discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> I was just asking, uh, wanted to ask Tim if you, what, what, aside from like putting it in space, what would you change about this movie to make it more watchable for you? Uh, okay. Um, it wouldn't be uh, white men fighting about white problems on stolen land. Right. Um, <laughs> That's a perfectly valid argument too. Is like, does this story need to be told again? Right. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. It's hard to argue against that for sure. Woke poke. Hashtag woke yeah. poke 2019, 2020. 100 years woke poke. 100 years, Morty. 100 woke years. poke. We're poking all the wokes. Um, <laughs> okay, one thing that keeps popping into my head, and I don't know why because I've never actually seen it, but I, I heard about it is the the, I think it was a TV show, Carnival or Carnival, that came out a while ago that was about this like traveling circus, but the whole show is like a metaphor for like the book of revelation or something like that fun so it was like you know within (laughs) all these these car you know these carnies and you know these circus folk like i think they were and again i've never actually seen it but i remember being like oh that's right up my alley i should watch that but then i also heard that it got canceled like in the middle of their storyline so it never wrapped up like the cape yeah um (laughs) which is also about circus performers (laughs) watch the cape it was bad Sorry. No, no, no. This is the second episode in a row I've talked about the cave. I'm sorry. (laughs) Is that your matrix now? Is that what's going to (laughs) happen? New cycle, new obsession. Um, But yeah, like if it was... (laughs) But I don't know. I I feel like I would would really enjoy if it was something that was like a Western, but everything was sort of metaphor for some sort of like... And it it doesn't have to be like, you know, like a... um, you know, biblical in that sense, like, you know, maybe, actually, that would be a really kind of cool idea, is if, if there was, like, this metaphor, but it was, like, like basically a Native American myth story that was told through a Western setting. I think that would be really That's cool. Because cool. then you could kind of really, like, tap into that stuff. You know, if you've got characters like, uh, like, I know one of the... I think it's like in, in a lot of Native American stuff like the coyote is like the trickster mm-hmm. so like if you kind of had this story where you know it was the whoever the, the, the pioneer white man was like he was basically the coyote character and how it was how he was kind of coming in to trick these things so you kind of get maybe more of the quote unquote cowboys and Indians but they're actually playing out like a myth that's kind of more from the perspective of the the natives and that instead of the cowboys being the good guys and the indians being the savages it was kind of like the reverse of that but also it'd have to be done in a way that's not obvious so it like you think going into it that oh yeah the white guys are the heroes because i'm white and they look like me and that's how i want to see this story but then have it play out where it's just like oh man this guy is a dick and i mean that kind of happened in this where he was kind of a dick but like 
There were also things that he did that I think like humanized him in a lot of ways, you know, like where like with his son, like aside from sending him off to the school, which I feel like also wasn't 100% dickish because it's like, what am I, I don't know how to help to him, you right. know, and it wasn't like he sent him off to like an insane asylum. Right. It was like, you, you know, we need teacher. to figure out what to do with this. Um, and then when he took him back, you could, yeah, you could tell that he was like, oh man, like I sent my son away, like that was shitty. So it's like, so there, you know, there was some sense of, um remorsefulness and like it was it was definitely more of a human flaw you know it wasn't you know like when you mentioned earlier about him being evil i never got the impression personally that he was evil just that he was of a flawed human yeah. you know um he was an asshole <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah so maybe something along those lines where you know you're kind of watching this western play out and it kind of plays with the the, the tropes of typical westerns but then kind of reverses it maybe without you realizing it. Um, something like that. Maybe I think would be kind of cool. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and I'm also kind of thinking of like, like with Avatar too, how I know there's probably a, a, a bad comparison to make, but you know, the I don't idea, think it is. but the idea of like, again, like it's, it's, there are humans and there are, well, quote unquote they're aliens to us but the humans were on their planet yeah. but still somehow Invaders. you know yeah like you know you're kind of i think by instinct automatically connected more with the humans because they're your species right. but then they're actually the bad guys here you know like they're the one coming in and like fucking things up on this planet that had no need for them to come there in the first place Shit. you know it's avatar from the Navi perspective would be fucking awesome. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know, it's like, sort of ended if, up that way. yeah, like, if you can, you know. Well, it's a white savior narrative, though. That's the thing that sucks about it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Be, right? Because he embody like, the white man because, like, it, it's dances with wolves in Fern Gully. That's what it is. Yeah. It, it's, and Pocahontas. Right. And, and that's, yeah. that's the problematic thing. But what would be interesting well, is, a, a, like, a Native American analog, but, like, with alien invaders like that's right that's what <laughs> so war of the world well i mean but like not beat by pollen or whatever happens at the end of war, war of the worlds but like the idea like of the invader at colonizer and that would be a really interesting western yeah well that, and that's the, yeah that's yeah right <laughs> well and that's the only thing that's going to make people understand how bad colonization is is when it's aliens coming saying hey we're taking this from you it's like fuck you aliens how dare you you're evil it's just like motherfucker do you not see the fucking metaphor here like god damn it and that's the thing is like maybe maybe it's impossible to to, to get that metaphor across because i have noticed a correlation between a lot of people who feel that way and also who believe certain things that the rest of us see as metaphor and not being able to understand metaphor is something that symbolizes something as opposed to like no it's fucking fact anyway that's a whole other rant but um but yeah like something um I think marty actually does a pretty good job of like alien invaders as colonizers the idea of like the the galactic federation showing oh, up right. on earth yeah because they got rick and like now you work for us you don't know what you do but you eat these pills and it's like this mm -hmm. this like weird corned up like if it was the inverse of what happens in uh district nine did you see district yeah. nine yeah so like the idea like if if the story of that hadn't been that like the aliens are now refugees and treated like shit on earth yeah. it's like the opposite of that like, right which yeah which i feel I like that's, that's what's lost with... in that story is like you're supposed to feel bad for the aliens who are being treated like shit right but it's like the people who 
treat actual human immigrants like shit are not going to feel bad for the aliens being treated like shit so it's like you know yeah you're kind of preaching to the choir kind of thing at that point but but yeah it'd have to be aliens coming in treating humans like shit and it's like hey how dare you treat humans like that it's like yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) fucking get what you're saying this has been the metaphor (laughs) (laughs) um Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So back to the whole, like, the Avatar thing. Like, yeah, something, I guess, along those lines. And I guess it maybe doesn't have to be, like, aliens and humans, but I don't know. Something, yeah. You you know me. I like metaphor, and I, I... And that's why I try to insert it into places yeah. too, like you know. Oh yeah, they weren't twins; they were the same person. It's just like, uh, all right, sure. I want to like this, you know. but there's nothing in it. For yeah, me. so <laughs> I'm gonna make up my own things that I see in here and, and say this is what's actually happening to, you know, make myself more interested. But, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, like yeah, not that it has to be space. I'm not necessarily all all about space, but. Um, Actually, I think that would be interesting too. Especially, I, no, yeah, I'm going back to the idea of like telling a story like that, but based on Native American myth, where it's like, you know, again, instead of using the, I feel like you know most people are probably aware with like the, um, you know, like Catholic, Christian, however you want to refer to it, you know, Old Testament, New Testament myths, and those are the ones that get kind of put into stuff because people will recognize it, or because, like I said, people are more familiar with it, but it'd be cool to dig into some other myths that are just kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, I feel like it's symbolizing something, but I don't know what, because I'm not familiar with this story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's as good a segue as any into my favorite segment. <laughs> it is It is time for another <laughs> situational movie recommendations. recommendations. <laughs> Situational movie recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> but you were you just saying that. I know. That's half the joke, Tim, <laughs> is the repetition. <laughs> um, so, what is the best I'm movie? I'm surprised Tim isn't getting that when he goes, repeats his own jokes like 20 times. That is true. <laughs> Repeat that should be part of the nowhere. jingle. <laughs> Didn't you just say that? I like it when you say it's time for, because that's also the beginning of the song. <laughs> it's, it's the Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best movie to watch when you want to have a good cry? Shit. Let's open up the waterworks, boys. Hmm. It can also be an episode of TV. Let's broaden it because I think that might be easier. I have I have a few good answers. Yeah, right. A few. Are you still thinking? Want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So one of them is the fountain. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, that's probably. I think like there have been a few times in movie mumble where I've like shed a tear or two. That was like if the lights were on, I probably would have been ugly crying at certain parts of that. Um. Uh, another and actually I, I don't know that there's a movie necessary it's more like moments from movies yeah um, and th- this one I'll probably and I'll probably start tearing up even just talking about these because I ever I always think about this if I ever become an actor and mm-hmm. I have to start crying on camera this like what this is what I'm thinking one of them is All Dogs Go to Heaven have you ever seen that yeah. fucking movie at the end after Charlie comes back to like save her and she's like I love you and it's just like <sighs> just like the tone of her voice I'm just like I fucking lose it every, and just like I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it I'm just like and I don't even really like that movie all that much mm-hmm. um, I mean it's it's decent but like it's that specific moment yeah yeah where it's like 
he finally it's like oh god he was such a terrible dog through the whole thing you know <laughs> That's um, why you were going to hell. Yeah. And then... Um, Spoilers for all dogs. Right, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's been out for decades. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, yeah. So, the fucking Return of the King. When oh, the hobbits bow to Aragorn, he's like, oh, my friends, you bow to no one. You and the crying. whole fucking... Oh, oh my God. I, I fucking lose it. I'm just like... Oh, and, and like the hobbits are just standing there with their heads above everyone else. And everyone else is... Oh, God. And I'm just like, done. I was going to say but, the, the moment that... Um, I'm glad it's you here with me, Sam, at the end of all things. Yes, that's animal. another good scene. Yeah. That's a good moment. But, uh... My, oh, yeah. In all, in usual, I have multiple answers. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, another good part too yeah. is when, like, when Frodo's about to give up, and Sam just fucking picks him up and carries him the rest carry of the it way. For you, yeah, but I, but I can, can carry, carry you. you. Yeah. Oh. Um. And if and if you mean a cry in terms of like despair, uh, life is beautiful. Okay. Um. That's. Yeah, that one hurt. I I went into that not knowing anything about it. Having never even heard of it, mm-hmm. and the first half was a comedy, and I kept, and then the comedy sort of kept going through the end, and so at the end, and when I don't know if you've seen it, I know. I yeah, seen I saw it no. years and years ago. And yeah. I'm not going to say anything because it's on the list. But at the end, a thing happens, and I was like, I nah, think I know which thing that you're didn't happen because the whole film had been, had despite, despite being a film about the Holocaust, had maintained this lighthearted comedy, mm-hmm. and at the end, it. Didn't gotcha. is all I'll say. Um, in terms of like just straight up like storytelling and characters, Forrest Gump actually, uh, Bubba. Huh. Oh yeah. And Yo. it's funny because I used to cry when they were at the riverbed, and you know Forrest said I, I would have thought of something better to say if I'd known that was the last time I'd ever speak to him. You know, instead I said, "Hey, Bubba," but then that would mean I start crying like the moment they start taking fire. That firefight yeah. because I know what's coming, and that became I start crying when they're walking through the fields and the rice paddies, and that became now basically I cry when when Bubba like when he goes when to college <laughs> because I know that after college he gets in the army and gets on the bus and Bubba's on the bus and, then, and, and the whole thing cascaded. cascaded the minute I put the disc into the player, I'm like oh my god, that <laughs> cascaded backwards and backwards. But in that one, that's the I cry because what they've done with the character, you know, right. and then lastly sort of for the I guess tying into Life is Beautiful and Life is Beautiful is more the way they manipulate your moods Forrest Gump is my tragedy for the, the tragedy of the character mm-hmm. and then but Life is Beautiful is, is, has some you know reality crying too crying for what happened in history in keeping with that Memphis Belle actually mm. uh, Memphis Belle is about a B-17 bomber crew and their mission and it's a fabulous movie it's I think it's the perfect sort of history popular history movie that it's still sort of pop history it's designed for Hollywood it's filmed that way you know it's Mm -hmm. it's an adventure with our heroes but it doesn't lose sight of the gravitas of what happened and there's a bit with our two characters our base commander who we've seen is very much a believer in daylight bombing I guess I'm about to spoil the best scene that's okay Um, and the, the other officer who's there for press he's a press officer and the whole reason he's there is because the crew of the Memphis Bell is if they come back from this mission going to be the first crew to finish their 20 missions and go home and it's a big PR deal you know and he's like setting up this you know the 
the celebrations when the base commander comes in and is like, what are you doing? This is premature. And, you know, throughout the film, I've talked about certain superstitions, you know, you do or don't do. And, and he gives him this whole, I just setting up party like this is inappropriate until he brings him back to his office you know sit down he says and the press guy's like come on you're giving me this whole spiel about etc but i you and i both know you know we don't care about your crews this is all about numbers and the war effort and he shuts him the fuck up and he grabs a drawer out of a huge like filing cabinet but it's massive you know oversized and just upends the whole thing across his desk papers everywhere he starts shuffling him here read it and he gives it to him and it's a letter from uh the parent of a dead airman after the letter the base commander wrote to her and it's you know yeah he was wasn't on your base for very long but you described him right down to his boots i wish you could have told me how he died and as that fades away they cut in actual archival footage of bombers being cut to pieces in the skies of europe and we get voices, men and women, reading these types of letters from the families to the base commander. And I don't know if some of them are real letters or not. Wow. But, uh, and that, I mean, the whole rest of the film, it's made in the 90s, it's in color, it's beautiful, but that footage is, you know, shaky gun camera footage from German fighters, and it's, uh, awful to watch. Damn. So in the, in the real life impact, I mean, again, life is beautiful has some of that as well obviously yeah. right but yeah oh that, sorry that's <laughs> kind of feeling like a cold-hearted bastard <sighs> for bringing this one up and also no, not having something off the top of my head for one <clears throat> i thought another of another quick yeah. one while you're thinking since you since you opened it on the tv is every episode of queer eye Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Every single fucking one. Oh and I always god. think, I always think, yeah. oh, this, this one, I haven't cried yet. Fucking two-thirds in, like, oh god. Oh, this, this, is so this person got this. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> just like, god there was one where it's like within the, the happy first. Cry, right? yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Within two two minutes. It's like, there it's are like, good people uh, left in this world <laughs> that are doing good things for other people. They're in the South. How are there good people in the South? There is hope. Oh god. That's the, they rift on that in, um, Ocean's Thirteen, I think, where you know oh. Pitt goes to Clooney's door and he's like wiping his eyes. Are you, you okay? Yeah, I just, I just been to a pepper. It's all right. And the further into the room, you know, Brad Pitt gets, he sees the wine on the table and Oprah is on. And he ding ding. And were you? I, I just flipped through it. It just, it just came off. And then it like concludes with them both on the couch staring at just the screen. Their conversation has trailed off. And Brad Pitt says to him. Are they really going to do all that for those people? They're really going to give yeah. them a whole new house? And then he sniffles. They <laughs> both see so it just, Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, every oh. episode of Queer Eye. Every one. Not wrong. Every single one. <laughs> okay. Ev- okay. The Michael Scott leaves. Oh, yep. And he starts talking to Jim. And they don't actually have lunch. They just talk about the hypothetical lunch they're going to have the next day. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you how great a boss you turn out to be. It's just like yeah. that one gets me. Actually, the very last episode of The Office gets me too. When Erin discovers her, like her parents show up. Oh yeah, just goddamn. And I don't like. I don't like Erin's character. I think she's poorly written and irritating the whole time. And it's not her. It's not that actress's fault. But it's yeah, just she's like definitely a caricature. Yeah. But that was just like this means so much. She's so sweet and deserves that when. Um, um, oh God! The the season two finale of Hannibal. 
which neither of you have seen. <laughs> but just makes oh, it's so oh. Best episode of television ever. Um, oh shit! Goodwill Hunting. Oh, not your fault. Oh god, that one hurts. Not even the not your fault. The scene with uh, uh, how you like them apples? <laughs> no, with the <laughs> drink your milkshake. <laughs> drink it. I gotta show you the SNL um, uh, bit about the milkshake after the podcast. Um, uh, you reminded me of TV, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Today, uh, yeah. <laughs> Will's dad Ugh. abandons him again, and Will just trying to keep it together. Like I'm just gonna be a better dad than he could ever have taught me to be. And yeah. Uncle Phil being there and being a support, like, uh, oh, that's such a great episode. So heartrending, so hard to watch. Shit. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? No, Goodwill Hunting, the scene with the the girlfriend, where he's like, you don't want to hear that I got cigars put out on me. I got whipped with stuff. Like, like that mm. scene, where it's just mm. all she wants to do is love him, and he can't, like, he can't let himself be loved because he <clears> thinks <throat> that he deserved all the shit that happened to mm -hmm. him. And that, that is just heartbreaking. Um... Uh, what was the other one? P.S. I Love You just is a gorgeous movie, and I've only seen it once because I'm afraid to watch it again to cry as much <laughs> as I did. I will, like, die because of all of the vital bodily fluids that I lose <laughs> watching Because that that, the premise of that is, um, oh, what's his name? Gerard Butler passes away and leaves his wife all these little notes of how to get through him leaving and like he pays for a vacation for her to go to Ireland and get to know his family and like this this little window into his life that they never got to do because they were always too busy mm -hmm. and it's just it, it's so gorgeous and sweet mm -hmm. it's a wonderful life also makes me cry yeah mm -hmm. it's fair now that we're good and depressed. Yeah. Queer Eye is so good. That show has no right to be as good as it is. No oh. show has the right to be as good yeah. as Queer Eye is. That's what that's what Queer I mean. Eye is the, the they're the heroes that we, we don't deserve, but we, we don't yeah, we need fucking, so desperately. Yeah. Not the heroes we deserve, but they're the heroes we need. I'm afraid like we're on the last season now. Like, oh okay. I don't want it to end. Like we've stopped watching it because we don't want it to end. There was I think it was in season three. There was one that like really threw me for a loop that was just like, oh man. Cause like you kind of like through the whole episode you're like, are they gonna do this? And then they do and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> Which I think it's in the season you haven't seen yet, so I don't wanna I don't okay. wanna spoil it for you. Okay. Let me know after you've seen it and I'll tell you. With the sister? Her sister? Whose sister? The um, girl who got kicked out of her house. No, no. No, it's a different one. That episode is so good. They're all yeah, so good. that was so good. Uh, yeah. Ten is my favorite. That's a lie. I like Jonathan. Jonathan, That's yeah. also a lie. I <laughs> like them all so much. <laughs> Anyway, so that, <laughs> shall we proceed. This has now become yeah. a Queer Eye review podcast. <laughs> we should totally do that, though. 
yeah. like aside, be like featuring movie mumble podcast. <laughs> this is the crycast. Yeah, <laughs> queer high crycast. Watch it. Watch and cry live with the movie mumble <laughs> podcasters. Anyway, so that was episode twenty-two. Yes, thank you. For there were some us. ups. There, will be there was some downs. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I, thank you because it sparked some wonderful conversation. No, but also so thank you because I'm glad I saw it. Mm-hmm. Now I can show you this. The whole reason I showed you this so I could show you this SNL skit. Basically, I want somebody else to get this joke. <laughs> I've almost sent it to you a dozen times. <laughs> but, so next time we have oh, Scott. Yeah, Tune I'm, in next week. I'm next sitting month. here thinking about Memphis Bell, actually. Now? Um, yeah, about changing my decision. But I'm not. I'm going to stick with... We're going to watch Goodbye Lennon. Sweet. Which I know I've talked to you guys about a lot before. Yep. And is actually, I didn't say it before, but it is one of the films that makes me cry. Okay. Um, and I left it off on purpose to mention it now. At kind of the whole third act, I guess, I'm going to be weeping. Um, and I mean, it's a comedy. And it is riotously funny. I, I think you'll find it hilarious. Mm-hmm. Which actually I, I think is part of why the, the sadness hits so hard. Comedy and tears go so well together, you know. Um, but so, uh, Goodbye Lenin is a, it's it's very much a black comedy, a German film about the fall of the Berlin Wall and German reunification. And again, I've probably said this a million times, but this uh, this our main character is this family they're living in, in East Berlin, and their father leaves to the West and just sort of vanishes. And their mother ends up very invested in the the DDR, the East German government, at a local level as this community organizer, Mm. almost a sort of local hero, but very invested in the the work she can do and the joy she can bring. And so she's very much a happy citizen of the East, the German Democratic Republic. And then she sees her son at a reunification rally. He's not there on purpose. He's there by accident because remember, this is a, this is a, this is a, this is a comedy. Mm-hmm. He stumbles into this, um, and she has a heart attack and she passes out. While she is unconscious in the hospital, Germany reunifies, and uh, as they release her after she wakes up, and this conversation takes place quite literally while the doctor's office is being dismantled around them, the doctor says to the son, "Another great shock may cause another heart attack, and you know that could be fatal. It's bad." He says to her, he says to the doctor, do you think maybe the fact that her whole country no longer exists is a shock? <laughs> so he sets out to pretend the, the DDR still exists within their apartment. Mm-hmm. And the, the comedy comes from the ridiculous lengths that he goes to and the situations they get into. And, you know. But in the end, it ends up being about, uh, very much about family and what we do for them and what it means. And uh, it's, it's very hard. So, and then there's certainly plenty of social, political, cultural context if you want to look at that. There's just straight up hilarity if you just want to laugh. And then there's very touching, deep, universal human sadness if you want to tap into that. Sweet. So, looking forward to that one. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think you've mentioned that almost as many times as we did in the Matrix before we saw <laughs> I know. that. And that between this is Scott's Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean between that one and um, Mystery Train. Thank you. Are the two I've talked your ears off about, and and yours as well, listeners. It's finally happening. No, I'm looking <laughs> so. forward to it. It'll be 
good to exercise that demon for you. <laughs> so excited. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be wonderful. I think the only thing that we've mentioned more frequently than The Matrix in those films is Star Wars. Yeah, probably. But nobody has made any efforts or had any... Dis- like, we don't need to see it to discuss Star Wars, I guess. Yeah. No. We've all seen it so many times. Right? Yeah. Plus, it would be weird to be like, oh, I'm going to bring this one episode to the podcast. Like... I could bring the despecialized versions. Bring Rogue One. The despecialized Solo. versions? <laughs> Standalones. Yeah, yeah, the ones that don't have the <clears throat> Lucas edits, but they're, they're Blu-ray quality. Oh, nice. This is some next-level pirating. <laughs> so, so it doesn't have the scene with Jabba in... Correct. Oh, amazing. And there's no, like, Han shot first in it. Which is the yeah. most bullshit fanboy nonsense thing. But, like, it's cool to have them and I have them now mm-hmm. anyway anyway <laughs> goodbye, <laughs> goodbye Lennon is next before we yes. start talking about um, hope you'll join us listeners until then the goodbye bye bye hey listeners we appreciate you tuning in for our podcast we're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there we'd be glad to have you subscribe we'd also love to hear your feedback whether it's a comment review or anything else you can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com or, if you can find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at Scott underscore W underscore Murray. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Joel T 18 And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard, And on Twitter, I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more.